Thank you, Laura, for the kind introduction, and welcome to all of you attending today's webinar, Biological Nutrient Removal Applications for Monitoring Oxidation Reduction Potential. The title screen here shows a couple figures I want to describe a little bit for you. The first on the left is a picture of a uh, intermittent aeration system or a sequencing batch reactor. You may know it better as, and this is one of the prime applications for ORP monitoring. The chart on the right-hand side is from a SCADA screen for a, uh, a different intermittent aeration system where they used ORP to control their aeration. And you can see the airflow, the ORP, and the dissolved oxygen concentration measurements all on that same chart and how they interact with one another. We're going to provide more details on how all that works in the slides coming up. Sorry for the delay, had a little uh, glitch advancing my slide. But uh, to continue on uh, today's topics, uh, the science of ORP, where we get into a little bit of the scientific underpinning of measuring ORP, and then putting ORP to use, some ways that ORP can be used um, as a substitute for other sensors, and some methods on how to measure it. Applications, we have two case studies here, one an intermittent narration system and another is from a continuous flow system. And then sensor care and parting thoughts. And then at the conclusion of that, as Laura mentioned, we will have time for questions. So type away. The science of ORP, uh, getting into that first topic, growing bugs are happy bugs. And the bacteria require four things for growth. Carbon and nutrients, uh, each of those used to, to build more bacteria from. Uh, energy, which goes without saying, you need energy to do this. And also reducing power. And this is less uh, obvious, but uh, it is the ability to transfer electrons. And the reason is that a lot of the energy forms are not in a uh, form that uh, bacteria can directly make into new bugs, so they need a way to uh, transform that into a suitable form. And if we take a little closer look at that, uh, bugs get energy and reducing power from oxidation reduction or redox reactions. And redox uh, transfers electrons. That's what happens during a redox reaction. And uh, we can see several functions here in a treatment system from uh, BOD removal and nitrification, which have the same electron acceptor, that's oxygen, but different electron donors. And then through denitrification and fermentation, which have the same electron donors, but different electron acceptors. The chart on the right-hand side is a graphic of an oxygen atom. And what you should have learned in general science class, if you were paying attention, is that the outermost um, ring of electrodes, uh, electrons, the atoms prefer to have a full shell of outer electrons. And in this case, 
uh, a full shell for an oxygen atom would be eight, and it has six. So very desperately wants to fill those two electron spots, which makes it a very good electron acceptor. Okay, that's great, but what has ORP got to do with this? Well, ORP measures electron donating ability. And if we look at this graphic from, uh, uh, it's a textbook, uh, it's called an electron tower, where these redox couples are arranged from the most negative, that is the electron donors at the top, to the most positive, the electron acceptors at the bottom. And on the right-hand side is kind of the absolute uh, reduction potential for each of these uh, electron couples. And so electrons are donated from the top of the tower and can be caught by acceptors at various levels. And so the greater the fall, the more energy is released. And to illustrate this concept a little bit better, let's take a look at the case where, say, uh, glucose is oxidized to um, with oxygen. In that case, 1.2 volts uh, are available. This would be similar to what happens in a BOD removal. In denitrification, on the other hand, the glucose may, without oxygen available, may only fall as far as the nitrate couple. And in this case, slightly less energy is available. And in the third example, uh, an example of fermentation where the carbon, organic carbon uh, electron is both the electron donor and electron acceptor, very little energy is available. And I said this is uh, characteristic of fermentation. It's a very low energy process. Sounds complicated, doesn't it? I, I apologize. It is, but the good news is it can be very simple if you're only interested in measuring the electrons. And an ORP sensor for doing this is actually very similar to a pH sensor, which should also make you feel better. It's an instrument you've been working with for many years. And this diagram is typical for an ISE, of which a pH is one type. You've got the ion-sensitive electrode and a reference electrode in the solution connected uh, together, and then the difference in potential between the two um, provides a raw signal in millivolts. Now, in pH sensor, that millivolt reading would be converted to a pH reading. But in an ORP sensor, that signal is used directly. This is a picture of an ORP electrode, a Sensolite PTA electrode that we use in our IEQ SensorNet uh, online monitoring system. And there you can see is a reference electrode, in this case, silver, silver chloride electrode. Uh, reference junction, electrolyte, which is inside the bulb, is potassium chloride, and then the measuring electrode. And this is the part that really looks different from a pH sensor. In this case, it is a platinum band. This platinum band is very suitable for an ORP electrode because it has the ability to uh, both donate and accept electrons um, without participating in the reaction. So. Uh, 
One thing to note is, is platinum is not the only metal that can be used in an ORP electrode. Um, gold, for example, is another uh, measuring electrode that is used. So keep that in mind. It'll be useful information down the line. So moving on to the next topic today is putting ORP to use. And let's first back up, take a step back, and talk about a little terminology. Those of you who attended our Phosphorus webinar, this will be review for you, but bear with us. Uh, for, for example, uh, something when we talk oxic, we're talking aerobic, and this is the case where the dissolved oxygen is the primary electron acceptor. Uh, the next term, anoxic, in this case, there is not dissolved oxygen, but nitrate is the primary electron acceptor. And in anaerobic, there is no dissolved oxygen and no nitrate, which means that other substances have to be either sulfate or um, organic carbon has to be the electron acceptor. So presented in a slightly different way than it was in the phosphorus webinar, but the same meaning. And that will help with this slide where we look and see what, what ORP tells us about our process. We see a line chart here on the bottom, ORP values ranging from minus 400 to positive 400. And if we try to superimpose these oxic, anoxic, and anaerobic conditions on here, to start with, an oxic condition would generally be considered where you have an ORP greater than or equal to 100 millivolts. Anoxic, on the other hand, is the case where it might be, ORP might range between negative 100 and positive 100 millivolts. And, and then anaerobic is the case where less than 100 millivolts are uh, measured. So if we then superimpose our reactions on top of this, starting with nitrification, it is in this range, uh, obviously with dissolved oxygen, that nitrification would occur above plus 100 ORP. Uh, BOD removal can occur anoxically or oxically. And likewise, phosphorus uptake can occur under both conditions. Denitrification would occur in the anoxic range, and that's where there is no dissolved oxygen, recall. And then fermentation and, not coincidentally, phosphorus release also occurs in the anaerobic zone. One thing I want to point out about this chart before moving on is these are, these are published values and not from any one specific treatment plant. Uh, your values in your treatment plant may be more or less. We'll get into that in a little more detail as we move on. So one way to use ORP is as a substitute for a dissolved oxygen sensor, for example. And we can think of ORP as a DO sensor that measures negative. If we take the condition where dissolved oxygen is greater than one milligram per liter, we have primarily dissolved oxygen. But, you know, when it comes to nitrification, we have no direct meaning as to the status of that nitrification, meaning that it could be one milligram per liter when uh, there is lots of ammonia and one milligram per liter when there is hardly any ammonia remaining in the reactor. Take the condition then where dissolved oxygen is less than less than one milligram per liter. In this case, uh, there's this could be well obviously there is dissolved oxygen, but there could also be other electron acceptors uh, available. And in this case, 
there's really no direct meaning from the dissolved oxygen measurement as to the status of denitrification. So that you could have a lot of nitrate or very little nitrate. And then in the last example, uh, dissolved oxygen less than 0.1. In this case, we have primarily other electron acceptors. Could be nitrate, could be sulfate, and as I mentioned, other organic uh, compounds. Another way to think of ORP might be as a nitrogen sensor. And ORP can indicate what forms of nitrogen are present, as you might have already guessed from the previous slide. Uh, as the more oxidized forms of nitrogen through ammonium and TKN, which is less oxidized, a slightly lower ORP, to the case where there's little or no dissolved N, in this case I've, I've assumed no dissolved oxygen, even lower ORP. So uh, this gives you an idea of the types of, of nitrogen that are uh, available and present in the reactor. Okay, why not ORP as a P sensor? And well, it can't really do that. And the reason is, is that P is, is neither oxidized nor reduced during uh, biological P removal. But uh, it can tell you when conditions are ripe for uptake and release. Uh, recalling back the previous chart where we had P uptake and P release indicated on those um, charts when that can occur. And so it can still be used to uh, control P removal. Moving along to then monitoring methods, okay, once you've decided how you're going to use it, how do you measure it? Well, the, the traditional way was spot sampling, and there are uh, this uh, picture here shows an operator uh, lowering a an ORP probe into the uh, aeration basin and taking a spot reading. And YSI has a couple instruments for doing that task: uh, the YSI Pro 10 and also the YSI EcoSense PH 100A. Um, and as with all spot sampling methods, the uh, drawback to this is that you don't get a, a continuous picture of the ORP, and so that you miss important details. There is also online continuous monitoring, and this is you know, very easy to do as, as it would be with pH. Um, the left picture is a Sensolite 700IQ uh, pH ORP probe fitted with an ORP electrode. And then, of course, a typical deployment in an aeration tank. So uh, very simple to do. Okay, so we know uh, how we want to use it. We know uh, the types of how we're going to monitor it. Let's take a look at a couple of customers that have used ORP to control their process and see uh, how, they, how they did it. First, I'm going to start with this chart, which is actually a published chart, which describes an intermittent aeration process. And I call it intermittent aeration process, but you might call it a sequencing batch reactor, or it might be a cyclic activated sludge process. And so this chart shows all the important details, including ORP, the red line, uh, dissolved oxygen, the green line, ammonium, ammonia, the blue markers, and nitrate, the square orange markers. And let's zero in on this a little bit, starting on the left-hand side. 
and uh, the values of ORP, nitrogen, and DO are on the left vertical axis. And we can see that at the start of the cycle, uh, ORP is, is very negative. Ammonium is very relatively high. Uh, nitrate and DO are nearly zero, as we would expect. But as the system is aerated, the ORP raise, rises, as does the dissolved oxygen rise, and the ammonium falls and the nitrate rises as nitrification occurs. One thing I want to point out about this is that even though the, the dissolved oxygen is staying, staying relatively constant, ammonium and nitrate are changing rapidly. And ORP reflects that rapid change, uh, first with its uh, very fast rise and then as the slope tails off. And when it comes to this point right here where kind of a change in slope, that's the point where ammonia is gone and your nitrate is at its maximum value. Let's take a look at the other side of this chart then. And, and in this case, this is towards the uh, end of the uh, anoxic period. And so uh, ammonium is, is high but stable. Nitrate is falling. And ORP is also falling. But it's falling at two different rates. Um, first, it falls kind of slowly as the nitrate is depleted. But once nitrate is gone or near zero, uh, there's a change in slope indicating that the nitrate has is gone from the system and now the system is using is in fermentation or good time for P release. Another thing I want to point out before moving away from this chart is that again the dissolved oxygen is a zero during this entire entire period here, not giving you really any indication of what is the status of nitrification or denitrification which the ORP does very nicely. Let's take a closer look at this then through an actual case study with a cyclic activated sludge system. And in this case, their operation was for enhanced BioP removal, or EBPR, it's also referred to. And again, uh, in this chart from a, one of their SCADA screenshots, the ORP is, in, is the red line right here. So it closely matches the value you saw in the previous chart. And what they did was to set an ORP high set point, or the point when the air is turned off, at a, about 250 millivolts. So at this point, uh, during this period from the rise from the low end to the 250 millivolts, the, the reactor is going from anaerobic to oxic. And also there is a dissolved oxygen set point. And the low set point, as you can see in the cyan line, is actually 1.7 milligram per liter. And the high set point, the magenta line, is 1.9 milligram per liter. So during this period, dissolved oxygen is used to control, but it's used to control the dissolved oxygen between those two values. Also, obviously, with this much dissolved oxygen in the reactor, nitrification is occurring, as is phosphorus uptake. Take a look at the second ORP set point. This is the low set point. In this case, it's set at about zero millivolts. And at this point, uh, between 250 and zero, the reactor is going from oxic stage to anoxic stage, and denitrification is occurring. And when it reaches that zero millivolt set point, then a timer is started. And this timer, we'll call it an anaerobic timer, uh, was set for 40 minutes. Basically, the operators had figured out that it takes 
in this process, it took 40 minutes of anaerobic time to get the P release they needed to meet their treatment goals. So although ORP is not being directly used as a set point in this uh, particular stage, uh, it is used to set the starting time for the timer. And at the end of that 40 minutes, the blower starts again and the cycle repeats. Here are some results from that uh, case study. This chart shows the effluent TP concentration on the left-hand vertical axis over a period of about um, four months. And the black diamonds are the measured uh, composite samples of effluent TP. As you can see, very low effluent TP is being achieved. It started to rise a little bit later in the season, but still stayed safely below the one milligram per liter limit, and no chemicals were acquired. The square, gray squares are actually the effluent TP load. This facility also had a mass load limit based on a TMDL, although it was not in force at this time. The uh, effluent TP load would have met the, the upcoming uh, TP load requirements. Moving on to take a look at a different application, this time continuous flow systems. Uh, first, to, to, to take a look at some of the things you can do in a continuous flow system with uh, ORP monitoring. Effluent ammonia control is, is one possibility, upstream from chloramination, for example, and that's the case study we have to follow. Aeration control, as I mentioned before, it's a sub, could be a substitute for a DO sensor. And with simultaneous nitrification, denitrification, uh, in this example, uh, it relies on keeping a very low dissolved oxygen concentration in order to allow both reactions to occur at the same time. And ORP can be uh, very valuable for that. But our case study is for an air extended aeration process, uh, an oxidation ditch, as many of you recognize in the picture. The goal of this uh, facility was to minimize aeration and also minimize chlorine by bleeding through some ammonia to effluent disinfection and, and doing chloramination instead of uh, straight, straight chlorine disinfection. ORP was monitored in the anoxic zone, location 2 there in the red box. And the target concentration they were attempting to meet, or the published value that they were trying to meet was uh, 2 to 3 milligram per liter. So again, still looking at this oxidation process, oxidation ditch process, uh, this was a trial control strategy. A lot of information on this chart, but I'm going to walk you through it. Um, you got the ammonia, nitrate, and DO concentration on the vertical axis over a course of one day. And if we take a look at the different lines indicated in the legend, and I'll, I'll point them out one at a time, but I also want to point out that um, the uh, aerator horsepower is shown here as well. So there was an upper ORP set point of negative 200 millivolts set, and recall this sensor was in the anoxic zone, and a lower ORP set point of negative 270 millivolts set. And we can see with this strategy that they mostly achieved their goals. Ammonium was maintained between 1 
and three and a half milligram per liter. You see the the green line here. The the black line with the round markers is the ammonia concentration. It goes from one up to around three and a half. And also the anoxic DO was maintained near zero, which the uh, solid line with the triangle markers indicates that very clearly. And this is good because it also allowed them to maintain very low nitrates. So this line here, the, the line with the uh, X markers is the nitrate concentration. It stayed mostly at one or below except towards the end of the day when um, the, they got a, a, a load uh, of wastewater that uh, overwhelmed their ability to denitrify. But still, very good performance. So then, uh, moving on from our applications to really kind of the, the way to take care of the sensor and some parting thoughts. By now, maybe you've thought of some ways to use it in your plant, but maybe you're a little uncertain as to um, what's involved with an ORP sensor. And then this slide describes calibration, cleaning, and replacement. And calibration is a, it's a one-point offset correction that's recommended. Uh, there are different solutions, but YSI offers a uh, Zobel solution, which measures 231 millivolts at 25C with the platinum electrode and the silver-silver chloride reference electrode system. Uh, cleaning, in general, you use the same practices as you would a pH sensor, uh, the junction cleaned off with running water and a soft brush or maybe just swirling it around in a bucket of water. The platinum electrode, uh, wet and, and blot dry, maybe not rubbing too much. And then for really stubborn grease removal, uh, short-term soak and household dish soap to remove that. Replacement is very simple. Uh, electrodes can be expected to last many months and even many years, but uh, our online electrodes are warranted for six months. Our handheld electrodes are warranted for one year. So um, you know that if the electrode fails to perform during that period, they will be replaced for you. A few parting thoughts then on ORP before I turn over the presentation to you for your questions. Uh, first off, uh, ORP is a relative measurement, and I've kind of brought that up a little earlier. Uh, but the important takeaway here is that it's not comparable between brands or even between applications. Uh, I would not expect to be able to put two uh, different ORP sensors in the water and get exactly the same readings, or take the same ORP sensor and put it in different applications uh, and it to have the same meaning. It follows then that ORP accuracy is uh, plus or minus 20 millivolts, which um, given the uh, relativeness of the measurement is not a big deal. Also, uh, response time may be slow. Uh, so uh, it, we, we know from dealing with uh, in tech support here that it may take up to 24 hours for an ORP to stabilize in natural waters, for example. But when you stick them in the Zobel solution, it's going to stabilize very fast. 
So sometimes it just requires a little patience um, with that understanding. And then, and then the last bullet I want to mention is that ORP measurement is affected by temperature, but it's not corrected for it. And I think uh, what I want to point out there is that seasonally, you may have to adjust your ORP set points. We have one customer that, for instance, uh, to get denitrification, they need, know they need to shoot for about negative 100 in the summertime and negative 150 in the wintertime. So keep that in mind as well. Are you feeling better? ORP is cool, isn't it? Well, uh, we hope you found this uh, webinar very uh, informative and look forward to taking your questions today or uh, as follow-up to this webinar. For more information, uh, www.ysi.com slash IQ. You can get information on IQ SensorNet. Uh, we have a toll-free number and an email address as well. Feel free to contact tact us that way. And also I want to point out that uh, this application note, which is you can download from our website on ORP management in wastewater as an indicator of process efficiency. So with that, I'll stop talking and listen to you. Thank you. Not so fast, Rob. We do have several questions coming in from the audience. I appreciate everybody's uh, activity level and sending in uh, questions. So the first one coming through, um, is ORP used for anaerobic digester monitoring? Um, I, we don't have any specific customers doing that, not because the ORP isn't suitable for that. In fact, it is. Uh, it's got more to do with the uh, explosive environment of the anaerobic digester. Um, you have to have a certain uh, uh, rating, for instance, explosion-proof rating to work in that environment. Um, but, however, if you did have a sampling stream that you could uh, remove, take outside the digester, um, yeah, it would definitely be able to help you uh, troubleshoot the two steps of anaerobic digestion, which are the assay, acid forming and methane forming steps. Uh, so, yes, it is suitable for that application. Long answer. That's okay. It was a very thorough answer. What about an aerobic digester? Yes, in fact, uh, we do have experience with uh, online monitoring in an aerobic di digester. Um, well, first of all, we had a lot of customers using our handheld products and aerobic digesters. Um, and basically, if you think of an aerobic digester as another type of batch process, what they would do is um, stage their aeration, so to turn on and off their aeration to control their digester so that uh, they could get uh, denitrification uh, and also some uh, other benefits, for example, recovering the oxygen and recovering the alkalinity. Um, so yes, that is a very uh, useful uh, use for uh, ORP. These two questions coming in deal with maintenance. So I'll just go ahead and combine them. What is the typical cleaning frequency for the sensor? And how often does YSI suggest changing the electrode, the sensing element of the probe? 
uh, is it by time period or only when calibration cannot be achieved? So cleaning and replacement. Okay, yeah, that, that's a very good question and always one we get with all of our sensors and the, the response is almost always the same too. It's going to depend on you and your application. Uh, cleaning is good, um, but you know, you only need, you should only clean it when you feel like it's affecting the measurement or when you can, you know, when you pull it up and check it and you see visible, visible fouling. Um, so that's not a very good answer, but I would say uh, in most applications, cleaning won't need to be more frequently than, than weekly. Uh, calibration or replacement was the other question. Um, so again, kind of the same answer there. The electrode should be replaced when it's no longer uh, satisfying your needs. So if you no longer can get it to uh, stabilize in Zobel solution, uh, keeping in mind that I think as the electrode ages, that response time may get longer. So it may be the point at which the response time is just too long to work properly in your in your process. Yeah, and a really good point is that it's what is acceptable to you using it. Is it acceptable to have a little bit of fouling on it? Is it expect is it acceptable for you to have a little bit lag time in response? Uh, and we also have cleaning accessories as well. Air cleaning can be added to help clean the sensors um, if they're in, you know, um, in an area of the aeration basin where there's a lot of movement and a lot of self-cleaning. You know, weekly cleaning could very well be enough, and it could be even up to two weeks. We just recommend that you deploy the sensor and monitor to start, and then you'll get a good idea. Okay, after one week, it looks pretty clean, or it looks really dirty. I'm going to have to bump it down to um, twice a week. So you really just need to monitor it to see how it reacts based on where you've deployed it in your process. It's hard to say with a blanket, everybody do this, because it might not be suitable for every application. Um, the next question, this is a good one. Is there a potential for energy savings using ORP over operating by dissolved oxygen levels? Yes, I've heard, I think there is, and I've heard of customers that are using it that way. So, so here's an example of a customer that operates his uh, DO at, at nearly zero, and, and obviously the, um, the dissolved oxygen sensor doesn't provide you a whole lot of information at zero, but instead uses their ORP to control their aeration. And so they're providing just enough oxygen as indicated by the ORP and, and, and not too much. The other example which I want to mention is simultaneous nitrification, denitrification. It is real, it does happen, and in this case um, dissolved oxygen maybe doesn't give you all the information you need to uh, properly control that process. How does cost of, of the ORP sensor compare to the cost of a DO probe? Is it less expensive to control with ORP sensors from an instrumentation uh, acquisition standpoint? I think with uh, DO, it is going to be a little less expensive. Uh, the, the sensor is, is a little less expensive, um, but, but not a lot. I think from a uh, ownership cost, it's going to be pretty comparable as well, especially with modern 
optical VO sensors where the calibration is good for, for two years. And in fact, YSI warrants our sensor caps for two years on the VO sensors. Um, so I, I think that is really a toss-up. Uh, I guess what really matters is uh, making it work, what works better for your process. Okay, getting away from quoting and going back to your chemistry background, a question on low ORP values. Is there soluble N at low ORP? So at lower, oh, low ORP, excuse me, um, will, will organically bound N, will it break down and be released as ammonia? A this is referring back to one of your earlier charts showing the relationship between dissolved oxygen, ORP, and nutrients. Yeah, I, and, and uh, I remember that slide. Um, and, yeah, so I guess when I was referring to dissolved N in that slide, I was mainly referring to uh, inorganic N. Um, of course, organic N is a re more reduced form, so it would be more similar to ammonium. So, yeah, organic N, would I would expect to give a more negative uh, ORP reading. Hopefully that answers your question. If not... Please follow up. That leads on to a similar question. Um, the ORP values uh, in your case studies didn't seem to match up with the typical range of values that you presented in the beginning. Why is that? Now that that's, a, that's a good observation, and it's something that um, uh, people recognize very quickly. And one of them has to do with, with where you're monitoring it. So... Uh, you know, as I mentioned in that, that extended aeration process, the, the ORP was being monitored in, in the anoxic zone. Um, but, but the other example, uh, the other reason has to be with kind of the relative nature of the measurement. Um, the published values that I showed early on are just that. They're, they're published values. Um, there could be no, no possible way to really make a typical uh, wastewater ORP value. So it's going to depend on the wastewater. It's going to depend on the redux, uh, the, the measuring electrode. As I mentioned, it could be gold or platinum. It's going to depend on the reference electrode system you've got. The important thing is, is um, making that relative to your process. So understanding that at this ORP value, this is the, uh, this is the status of my reactor. And at this o different ORP value, this is the status of my reactor. So you can make decisions on it uh, based on that. Again, another question from the audience comparing different types of sensor technologies. Um, this one related to uh, ion-selective electrodes for nitrate and ammonium. Would the accuracy of a nitrate ammonia sensor be better for control rather than an ORP sensor? Well, I, I guess the... Uh, Again, that would depend on uh, how strict of a limit you have and what your treatment objectives are. If you have very low nitrogen concentrations, then probably a uh, and maybe a short retention times, probably a nitrate sensor would be a, a better choice. However, if you've got some flexibility in that and um, you know are looking for a uh, more economical choice to say a nutrient ISE. ORP would fit the bill very well. 
we have we have a couple more minutes, um, so we'll continue on with the questions until we run out of time. Um, from your case study, and this is related to the previous uh, question. From your case study, why not use just use an ammonium sensor to control ammonia? Yeah, I was waiting for somebody to ask that one, and and the reason is that um, as I mentioned, the we talked about the DO and the ORP being kind of a toss-up on ownership and uh, acquisition costs. Actually, the ammonium and nitrate ISEs are quite a bit more expensive than the ORP sensors. And also, the, elect the ownership cost is more, uh, as the electrodes are more expensive, and maybe don't last as long. Although, our ISEs are warranted for one year, our nutrient ISEs are warranted for one year, and our ORP electrodes are warranted for six months. Our experience has been that the ORP electrodes uh, last much longer than that six months. And um, the other thing I want to point out is that the maintenance is less. The nutrient ISCs typically are going to require a calibration or, or a matrix adjustment, as we call it, more frequently than a ORP sensor will require an offset correction. Good, Rob. Well, great. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the questions. Um, you know, feel free to, there's an exit survey uh, when you guys log off of the webinar this afternoon. So if you have any additional questions or would like additional information, uh, feel free to um, either send your request there or email us directly. Uh, the quickest way to get an answer is environmental at ysi.com if you don't have our individual emails. If you have our individual emails, by all means, please contact us, and, and we'll uh, provide you the information that you that you need. Um, we will follow up with an email to everyone who registered with a link to the recording. I appreciate your attention and your time today, and I hope you all have a wonderful wonderful.